Good morning, Wisconsin. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Come give us your thoughts on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Thursday show. Yes, I am the host of this program. And a great guest, first half hour. Great guest throughout the show today. Joining me in studio, my friend, retired Milwaukee County Judge Mary Kuhn-Mensch. Good morning. Good morning. And a special guest. Oh, which really? Is, it's a really, real treat. Really a, 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 a fun person to talk to on a lot of different things. Uh, an expert, uh, certainly on, on the legal system of this country. Uh, former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Janine Geske joins us as well. Good morning. Good morning. Good I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Justice, because I, I we have we have some specific things we're to, we're gonna talk about cases, but did, I'll start with you. Do you ever think that in the year 2024, so much of our election would be tied into legal questions? Because that's kind of where we're going this year. No, it it really is a surprise. I mean, historically, once in a while, an election issue would come up, but it, it appears that a great number of the cases going to the Supreme Court. Um, and actually the U.S. Supreme Court as well, but particularly the Wisconsin Supreme Court, are involving election-related issues, whether it's voting or how to proceed, and of course the redistricting case. And Mary, same question for you. Yeah, I, you know, nothing surprises me anymore, though, because, uh, you know, uh, Janine can speak to this as well when you're a trial court judge, and of course she then went up to the Supreme Court, but uh, you, you get used to seeing a variety of interesting legal questions, but... Uh, this year in particular, um, I'm amazed at the amount of uh, questions surrounding election law. And a lot of us that have been even on the bench a long time have had to really study up and learn very quickly about some of the nuances of election law. So I'm going to ask uh, Justice Geske this question, and, and you too as well, uh, Judge. Um, I know a lot, of, a lot of the time you spent getting ready for this program is, is looking at the, the ballot access question and the question of immunity let's start with ballot access a lot of the commentators across this country and in the world for that matter they happen to think that this is a slam dunk that he will be put back on the ballot in places like colorado which is where the case originated um your thoughts justice Geski, on where that case sits today and where it's going to go well, uh, it, it, obviously, uh, people know that, that the Colorado Supreme Court held that um, pre past President Trump could not be on the ballot, um, that he engaged in an insurrection. And there is a provision in the U.S. Constitution that someone cannot hold office if they are um, have been convicted of or uh, insurrection. Um, and so I listened to the arguments last week. There were two and a half hours of arguments before the U.S. Supreme Court. And the real issue before the court is not whether President um, Trump engaged in this behavior, but whether the, the Constitution either allows each state to make that determination or whether that's a determination for the U.S. Supreme Court um, and, and whether states are not allowed to do that. And it's an interesting argument. I have to say I, I came to the same conclusion that a lot of commentators did, that um, I believe strongly that President Trump's going to win that case, that they are going in some manner or another hold that Colorado did not have the authority to do that. You know, when you look at the the language, the actual language, it's pretty vague, right? I mean, there's a, there's a talk about a qualification of, of an officer of the United States, right? There's some questions about right. whether the president is an officer or not. What do we make of that? I, I well, think... It, there's a, 
Go ahead, Janine. Go ahead, Mary. Well, I, I was uh, going to say, gonna... go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the challenge is having one person here and one on the phone. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, All right, go ahead, you go. All right. What I was going to say, uh, Justice, is that also the, the way that they framed the issue, that is the court, um, and you know this from your time on this on this uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court, you can look at issues very narrowly or you can answer some of the broader, more ancillary. So it depends on what it is that you're, you decide you, you're comfortable as a group uh, uh, deciding and in this case, I absolutely agree with you. What they they looked at it in a way that made uh, the should each individual state have the right to make these kinds of determinations for their own elections, and really in in doing that, my opinion was they get out from underneath having to make any of the issues about did he engage in insurrection? What is insurrection? Do you have to be convicted of it? Is he an officer or isn't he? I think they found a lot of off ramps and what, where they ended up was let's just look at this as a, a in a practical way. And a lot of the argument, uh, even the, the, the comments and the questions that the various justices were posing all centered around the issue that you've uh, highlighted as well, which is really more of a state's rights. How would this uh, as a practical matter play out when you have 50 different states determining uh, what uh, that uh, Article 3 of uh, the 14th Amendment really mean, and how do you apply it as it relates to in, uh, individual states' uh, elections? Justice Geske? Yeah, no, I, I agree with, with the judge, the learned judge, Mary Kunrich. Um, I, the, the, another argument that was made is that the Constitution provides that such a candidate cannot hold office um, so they argued that it doesn't say you can't be on the ballot, that you can't be sworn in, which, of course, would be really chaotic if you elected somebody. And then before they're sworn in, courts started deciding they should have been on the ballot. But I, I, I agree that there are a lot of different arguments that were made. And ultimately, the court was very concerned, I think, about not creating chaos. Now, that's not supposed to be the standard. But I think the majority of the court was thinking this is this is an issue that ought to be decided at the U.S. Supreme Court level or the federal court level and not in state courts. If they decide that Donald Trump has should have access in, in Colorado, does that make the other states who are questioning that access, does that make that point moot? If, if that's the grounds they decided on, it does make it moot. I mean, if there are other grounds, you could argue that there's a different record or things happen differently. But if they just hold that this is not a state issue, um, that's going to be the end of it um, for every, all the states. I agree, and I think that's why they uh, narrowed the issue down to that, because it's applicable to all the states. Their reasoning uh, applies to all the states, that you cannot have... Uh, we're the United States of America, and on uh, issues of ballot access, which is a federal question, and, uh, and the U.S. Constitution applies and takes priority, uh, even over states' uh, constitutions, uh, they ought to have the final say. So I think that's really why they couched it the way they did. Judge Mary Kuhnmensch, former justice from the Wisconsin Supreme Court, Janine Geske. We'll take a break here. After the break, another big question, presidential immunity. What will the courts decide? We'll discuss with our two experts after this. Great guests on this Thursday edition. Retired Mulkey County Judge Mary Kuhn mentioned studio and on the phone, Tri-County Contracting Hotline, former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Janine Geske. I'll start with you, uh, Mary. Um, the president has asked the Supreme Court for immunity, made arguments to that, uh, that effect, basically saying if, if you don't give a president immunity, I'm, I'm giving you the layperson's version of this, obviously. <laughs> um, you handcuff a president. 
They are, they would be literally afraid to make decisions uh, that they need to make in the course of a president's duties. You buy that? No, and I, I don't think I think this is a, an easier, far easier question for the United States Supreme Court to address. Uh, and, and sometimes the simplest uh, layperson uh, response is the best, and that is. Think about uh, everyone out there listening the last 250 years. This is the first time that a president has found the need to to ask that question and to have it go up to the Supreme Court. Um, And there have been um, many, many uh, uh, presidents uh, dealing with uh, significant uh, issues in their respective presidencies where they never had to worry about whether or not what they were doing in or out of office was going to rise to the level of uh, their needing uh, immunity from criminal prosecution. So I think the proof is in the pudding. This is the first time in our history, our nation's history, that it's uh, that it's come up for good reason. Uh, the the president has been the former president Trump has been charged with some significant uh, violations of uh, both federal uh, and election law, and uh, those uh, merit being heard in a court with a determination by either a judge or a jury. And that's how the process is supposed to work along with the other fundamental principle of our criminal justice system, which is no one is above the law, including our presidents. Uh, Justice Gessie, same question with a twist. The, the the former president, away from the courts, has sort of leaned on the justices that he appointed onto the Supreme Court to sort of, uh, again, layperson's term, do him a favor. Your thoughts on immunity and also that extra little twist to it? Well, the issue on immunity, first of all, I'd like to explain to people that what's in front of the court right now on immunity is whether or not the court is going to issue a stay, that is, prevent the underlying trial to go forward, um, the Georgia case. And um, in order for that to happen, there have to be five justices who say that there's a strong probability of of um, President Trump prevailing in this case. Um, And the other part of the issue then is, of course, whether the court, what the court believes they're going to do. I think I agree with Mary that the um, the issues are pretty clear. I, the, President Trump is trying to argue that if he hired, he got a Navy SEAL to kill, kill an opponent, that he would have immunity unless he'd been impeached. I don't think that argument's going anywhere. So then the question is, does the court even want to take this case um, when it, it probably will simply affirm the Court of Appeals? Justice Chief Justice Roberts and others have been deeply concerned about the court being painted as a partisan group. And, of course, President Trump doesn't help it any when he starts putting pressure on people he's appointed. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but, but my guess is that they're going to not take the case, um, in which case the trial will go forward, and, and because the Court of Appeals opinion was very strong. It was unanimous. It was clear law. And there really is nothing more for the court to say. I would agree with that. And uh, I, I would also add that there are, you know, four avenues the court could take, uh, Justice Gesky. And my view is uh, only one of those four is, is favorable uh, to uh, former President Trump. And, uh, and, and the likelihood of, of this court, uh, even this divided court, uh, reaching that fourth one is, is not likely. And that would be that they do issue the stay. And that they take the case and that they take, you know, three to six months uh, to uh, all the way up to the election in November to make a decision. That is highly unlikely, in my opinion, and I think you agree. Uh, I think it's more likely that they uh, do one of two things, which uh, both inure to the prosecution's 
uh, and to our benefit, really, to have these matters resolved sooner rather than later as voters. And that is, number one, don't take it. You think that the, what the third district did was right on all levels, and there's no need for us. They got it right. There's no need for us to take this up uh, and no need to issue a stay. The other is they do take it, but they don't issue a stay. They let it go back down to the trial court and continue while they uh, make a final decision for themselves, which will also, I think, confirm what the 3rd District did. One more quick break here. We're joined by Justice Janine Geske and, of course, uh, retired Milwaukee County Judge uh, Mary Kuhnmanch. After the break, the question, which we sort of alluded to with the previous question, judicial ethics and the questions about the justices themselves, things they have done, things that have been given to them, and how that factors into all of this. We'll discuss that with our guests, our great guests, on WTMJ Now after this. More of WTMJ Now after this. Wake up with me. Hey, it's WTMJ's Greg Matzik. Tune in every Monday and Friday at 8.15 for Matzik's Morning Minute during Wisconsin's Morning News. Everything you need to know about all your favorite Wisconsin teams in just 60 seconds. Picked up by Lillard. Lobs to Giannis, who fucks it down on the alley-oop. Every Monday and Friday at 8.15 during Wisconsin's Morning News. Coaching in the arena and, and your jerseys hanging above you, I can turn to the players and say, guys, I swear to God I play basketball. Just look up. Sponsored by Holiday Automotive in Fond du Lac. Welcome to our Everyday Health feature brought to you by the Freighter to the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network. Heart disease remains the leading cause of death for men and women in the United States. Fortunately, there are steps you can take to reduce your risk. Here to talk about heart and vascular conditions and treatment options is Dr. Stefano Skena a cardiothoracic surgeon from the nationally recognized Fredericton MCW Heart Team. Thank you so much for being with us, doctor. Thank you for inviting me. Let's start with this. What are common risk factors for heart disease? Risk factors include those that can not be controlled by patients, such as a strong family history of cardiovascular disease, and then factors that can be managed by either through medications or appropriate changing lifestyle, like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, lack of exercise, poor diet, history of smoking, including vaping, and or heavy alcohol consumption, and last but not least, advanced age. When should someone see a cardiologist? How do they know? Well, a cardiologist should be seen upon recommendation provided by a primary care physician. If you have the risk factors mentioned above, including the strong family history or a suspicion that a heart condition might be ongoing, the cardiologists have a specialty training not only in advising but also in treating diseases of the heart. Dr. Stefano Skena is with us. What heart conditions does your team treat? We are fortunate to work in a quaternary center here at Fruderton Medical College of Wisconsin, so we do treat all heart conditions from common to complex, stemming from coronary artery disease, heart valve disease affecting any type of valve, aortic disease, heart failure, and last but not least, the most common arrhythmias such as atrial fibrillation. Dr. Stefano Skena, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Find a doctor who's right for you by visiting freighter.com slash heart. It's WTMJ now. Powerhouse, powerhouse guest this uh, half hour, 927 of WTMJ. Only got about three minutes with the, with the justices and judge, but um, I'll start with you, Justice Geske. Um, lots of conversation, lots of uh debate over over the uh, the Clarence Thomas question. There's other questions about some of the other justices on the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, getting favors, getting gifts, getting trips, and whether the 
the justice should recuse himself from some cases that that are coming in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Your thoughts on that specific question, but also judicial ethics in general. I mean, it seems like the the rules, either for whatever reason, have been relaxed for some strange reason. Well, it, <laughs> there aren't any rules. <laughs> <laughs> maybe no, maybe no, that's no. the answer. <laughs> yeah. The U.S. Supreme Court has decided not to have any rules applied to them, that they're going to use their good judgment. Well, we see where that has led us. I mean, I think what's been happening at the court, the allegations about taking gifts, taking money, having conflicts of interest in terms of relatives is shameful. And it really goes to the integrity of the court and faith that people have in decisions by that court. Um, You know, Almost every judge, and probably every other judge in this country, abides by some code of ethics. We can argue about whether they're good codes or bad codes, but there are codes. And I can tell you that I believe almost all codes, if not all of them, would have people like Justice Clarence Thomas recusing himself or not accepting those kinds of gifts from somebody who appears in some manner in front of the court. Um, you know, the, the federal judges have strict code yeah. of ethics, and they're, they're, that's enforced. I, the last thing, you know, people say, well, who's going to enforce it against the Supreme Court? And that's a little problematic because the court obviously can't police itself. It's not doing well on that. But they could appoint some re- retired federal judges to sit on a panel that would look at violations of, of ethics. That's often, that's frankly what often happens with the Wisconsin Supreme Court when it comes back. So I, I do think, you know, they've got to do something because people don't trust them anymore. And if you don't trust the courts, then the independence of the judiciary isn't worth much. I, I agree 100 percent with Justice Geske. It, it is an embarrassment to all of us who I'll just take an example, Janine, of how we're governed here in Wisconsin, whether you're at the Supreme Court uh, as you were or whether you're at the trial court as you were many years ago and I and I was and, and that I continue to do as a reserve judge. The reality is we have to be so careful about reporting things as little as, you know, a $50 uh, donation in our name to a charity or a, a, or a dinner or uh, that we attended or tickets to a ball game. Um, if we aren't reporting that on our ethics statement, our financial statements uh, on a regular basis, which, by the way, the public can have free access to and often does as and acts as a watchdog over us, along with the Judicial Commission, you know, we'd be in a world of hurt, not only sanctioned, but but probably would lose uh, all credibility in the sense that we'd never be elected again. So it, it, it appalls me that uh, the highest court in the land uh, even over the rest of the federal bench uh, that you and I both uh, respect as well and have members of our judiciary like Diane Sykes and Mike Brennan that are now up at the Seventh Circuit and they're as honest as the day is long. I mean, they'd be in, in private conversations just as appalled as you and I are. So I would say the majority of the bench, whether federal and state, is embarrassed by this. And um, I think Roberts, in an effort to address this, did a good thing. He appointed Kavanaugh. And I think Coney uh, Barrett to uh, go around and solicit information uh, and uh, write a report and make some recommendations to the Federal Judicial Conference, which can adopt some rules, including one of the things you suggested, having some retired federal judges 
uh, or even members of the Judicial Conference sit in judgment of the Supreme Court on issues of ethics. I was going to say have the Congress do it, but they've decided to take the rest of the year off. That's my opinion. <laughs> no, it, would be the judicial, it would be the Judicial Conference. Right. We have one at the state level, and the feds have one at, this, at the federal level. Judge Mary Kuhnmensch, Supreme Court Justice Jan, Janine Geske. I, I, I'll, I'll leave, with, leave you with this before we go to our break. Uh, from the text line, great and informative guests love learning all this. There's a reason why you're both on. Thank, thank you. Thank you for both of your, your wisdom and sharing with our audience. Uh, these conversations obviously will continue on Thursdays throughout the, the rest of this year as we debate all the, the legal topics of 2024, which will be a great number. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, and, and leaving <laughs> politics out of it, these are very important conversations that matter.